We're continuing our reading of the Sri Chaitanya Charitamrita, taking up where we left off recently, which is in the Adi Lila. And we're uh, now on the Adi Lila, we're at text number 67. Brahma Vishnu Shiva Teen Gunavatari Ghani Shaktyavesha Sanakari Prithu Vyasa Muni Brahma, Vishnu and Shiva are qualitative incarnations empowered incarnations are those like the Kumaras, King Prithu and Mahamuni Vyasadeva, the compiler of the Vedas. Dui rupe hoi bhagavanera prakash, eketa prakasha hoi areta vilash. The personality of God it exhibits himself in two kinds of forms, prakash and vilash. Purport. The Supreme Lord expands his personal forms in two primary categories. The prakash forms are manifested by Lord Krishna for his pastimes, and their features are exactly like his. When Lord Krishna married 16,000 queens in Dwaraka, he did so in 16,000 Prakash expansions. Similarly, during the Rasa dance, he expanded himself in identical Prakash forms to dance beside each and every gopi simultaneously. When the Lord manifests his Vilas expansions, however, they are all somewhat different in their bodily features. Lord Balaram is the first Vilas expansion of Lord Krishna, and the four-handed Narayan forms in Vaikuntha expand from Balaram. There is no difference between the bodily forms of Sri Krishna and Balaram except that their bodily colors are different. Similarly, Sri Narayan in Vaikuntha has four hands, whereas Krishna has only two. The expansions of the Lord who manifest such bodily differences are known as Vilas Vigrahas. Ekai Vigraha Jadi Hoi Bahurup Akarita Bheda Nahi Ekai Sarup Manishi Vivahe Jaiche Jaiche Kaila Rash Ihake Kahie Krishnera Mukka Prakash when the personality of God it expands himself in many forms, all non-different in their features, as Lord Krishna did when he married 16,000 queens and, we, and when he performed his rasa dance, such forms of the Lord are called manifested forms, prakash vigrahas. Chitrambataitadekena vapusha jugapatpratak Gunish Dwashta Sahasram Striya Eka Uda Vahat. It is astounding that Lord Sri Krishna, who is one without a second, expanded himself in sixteen thousand similar forms to marry sixteen thousand queens in their respective homes. Purport. This verse is from Srimad Bhagavatam ten sixty nine two. 
Ratsotsava sampravrito gopi mandala mandita yogeshvarena krishnena tasa madhye dvayor dvayo. When Lord Krishna, surrounded by groups of cowherd girls, began to began the festivities of the rasa dance, the Lord of all mystic powers placed himself between each two girls. Purport. This verse is also quoted from Srimad Bhagavatam 10.33.3. Pravishtena grihitanam kante sva nikatamstriya yam manyeran nabastavad vimana shata sankulam divau kasam sa daranam astyau sukya vratatmanam Tato dundu payo nedhur nepetu pushpa vrishtaya. When the coward girls and Krishna thus joined together, each girl thought that Krishna was dearly embracing her alone. To behold this wonderful pastime of Krishna of the Lords, the denizens of heaven and their wives, all very eager to see the dance flew in the sky in their hundreds of airplanes. They showered flowers and beat sweetly on drums. This is another quotation from, from Srimad Bhagavatam 10.33, 3 through 4. If numerous forms, all equal in their features, are displayed simultaneously, such forms are called Prakash Vigrahas of the Lord. This is a quotation from the Laghu Bhagavatamrita 1.21, compiled by Srila Rupa Goswami. Ekai Vigraha Kintu Akari Hoi Ano. Aneka prakashahoi vilas tara namo. But when the numerous forms are slightly different from one another, they are called vilas vigrahas. Swarupam anyakaram yet tasya bhati vilasuta prayinatma samam shaktya savilaso vigadyate. When the Lord displays numerous forms with different features by his inconceivable potency, such forms are called Vilas Vigrahas. This is another quotation from Laghu Bhagavatamrita 1.15. Jaiche Baladeva Paravyome Narayana, Jaiche Vasudeva Pradyumnadi Sankarsana. Examples of such Vilas Vigrahas are Baladev Narayana in Vaikuntha Dham and the Chaturvyuha Vasudev Sankarsana Pradyumna and Aniruddha. Ishvarera Shakti Hoi Eighteen Prakar Eka Lakmi Laki Gana Pude Mahishi Gan Ar Vraje Gopi Gana Aro Sabhate Pradhano Rajendra Nandana Jate Swayam Bhagavan. The energies, consorts of the Supreme Lord are of three kinds. 
the Lakshmis in Vaikuntha, the Queens in Dwaraka, and the Gopis in Vrindavana. The Gopis are the best of all, for they have the privilege of serving Sri Krishna, the primeval Lord, the son of the King of Raj. Swayam Rupa Krishnera Kai Vyuha Tarasam Bhakta Sahite Hoy Tahar Avaran. The personal associates of the primeval Lord Sri Krishna are his devotees, who are identical with him. He is complete with his entourage of devotees. Purport, Sri Krishna and his various personal expansions are non-different in potential power. These expansions are associated with further secondary expansions or servitor expansions who are called devotees. Paktaari krami koila sabhar vandana e sabhara vandana sarva shubhera karana. Now I have worshipped all the various levels of devotees. Worshipping them is the source of all good fortune. Purport. To offer prayers to the Lord, one should first offer prayers to his devotees and associates. Text 83. Pratama shloke kahe samanya mangalachana. Mangalachara. Mangalacharana. Dvitiya shlokete kari vishesh vandana. In the first verse, I have invoked a general benediction, but in the second, I have prayed to the Lord in a particular form. Vande Shri Krishna Chaitanya Nityanandao Sahoditao Gododai Pushpavantao Chitro Shandao Tomonudao. I offer my respectful obeisances under Sri Krishna Chaitanya and Lord Nityananda, who are like the sun and moon. They have arisen simultaneously on the horizon of Goda to dissipate the darkness of ignorance and thus wonderfully bestow benediction upon all. Brajje J. Bihari Purve Krishna Balaram Koti Surya Chandra Jinni Donhar Nijadham She Dui Jagatere Haya Sadaya Sadaya Goda Deshe Purva Shaile Karila Udai. Sri Krishna and Balaram, the personalities of Godhead who formerly appeared in Vrindavan and were millions of times more effulgent than the sun and moon, have arisen over the horizon of Goda Desh, West Bengal, being compassionate for the fallen state of the world. Shri Krishna Chaitanya Aro Prabhu Nityananda Yahar Prakashe Sarva Jagat Ananda The appearance of Shri Krishna Chaitanya and Prabhu Nityananda has surcharged the world with happiness. Surya Chandra Hari Jaiche Shabha Andakar Vastu Prakashiya Kari Dharmera Prachar E mata dui bhai jivera agnana. Tamonash kari koila tato vastu dana. As the sun and moon drive away darkness by their appearance and reveal the nature of everything, these two brothers dissipate the darkness of ignorance, covering 
the living beings and enlighten them with knowledge of the absolute truth. Ajnana tamera nam kahiya kaitava dharma artha kama mukha vancha adi shab. The darkness of ignorance is called kaitava, the way of cheating, which begins with religiosity, economic development, sense gratification, and liberation. Dharma projita kaitavotra paramun nirmatsaranam satam vijam vastavam atra vastu shivadam tapa trayamun Srimad Bhagavate Mahamuni krite kim va prayer ishvara Sadyo Ridyavarudyate Tra Kritabi Shu Shu Shibis Takshana. Okay. So this verse, Dharma Projitakaitavo Tra Paramonirmatsaranam Satam. Well, first thing I can tell you about it is a verse that we used to use to sell books. Because when Prabhupada was with us, he gave some instruction to Mula Prakriti, Devi Dasi. Prabhupada very much encouraged the women. Uh, book distributors. He uh, gave them special attention and said that you should um, uh, you should be like a lamb at home, but a, a lion on the chase. Uh, and he said that the the ladies were the secret weapon for the book distribution Sankirtan movement because people will uh, trust a woman naturally. And so um, Anyway, Mula Prakriti was one of the biggest book distributors from the 1970s. And um, <clears throat> she lived in Los Angeles and Prabhupada spent a lot of time there. So he told her, he asked her what she was telling people. And um, she, she told him what they, she was saying. And Prabhupada then said, here's something you can tell them. And he gave this first Krishna Swatamo Pagate Dharmaganadi Bisaha Kalanashta Dushamesha Purar Narko Dononita. That just after the departure of Lord Krishna to his own abode, accompanied by religion, knowledge, etc., the Srimad Bhagavatam has appeared to give light to all the people of the world. So one should take advantage of it. And he said, You can tell people that. So when we understood that <clears throat> Prabhupada, um, when Prabhupada indicated that we could use these direct verses, this is one of them that we picked out and we would offer a book to people. Are we back? You can show the translation. Mission control. <laughs> Did we lose our, our broadcast capability or our... It's back, Mark, sorry. Oh, okay, okay. Let's see the verse. We tell people, uh, give them a book and say, this book completely rejects all religious activities and materially motivated and propounds the highest truth, which is reality distinguished from illusion for the welfare of all. Such truth uproots the threefold miseries. This beautiful Bhagavatam, compiled by the great Shaisya Vyasadeva, is sufficient in itself for God realization. As soon as one attentively and submissively hears the Bhagavatam, he becomes attached to the Supreme Lord. And that's all you have to say when you hand the book over. And then people would say, well, how much is it? So uh, this is a very good verse to use for, for uh, along with Krishna Sadhamu Pagate, the one Prabhupada recommended. But this one also, I, I found that people really like this uh, presentation, that it completely rejects all religious activities that are materially motivated. Yeah. 
is rejected by the Srimad Bhagavatam and also here in the Chaitanya Charitamrita, Kaviraj Goswami is saying the same standard for this uh, Bhagavatam is present here in the Chaitanya Charitamrita, which is following in the footsteps of the of this verse. So um, that's funny. It goes right to the purport. There's no verse. Sorry, sorry. I'll, I'll fix that right now. There must be an eclipse going on right now. Nitai namineche. <laughs> so here we have the translation. The great scripture Srimad Bhagavatam compiled by Mahamuni Vyasadeva from four original verses describes the most elevated and kind-hearted devotees and completely rejects the cheating ways of materially motivated religiosity. It propounds the highest principles of eternal religion, which can factually mitigate the threefold miseries of a living being and award the highest benediction of full prosperity and knowledge. That's very good. Everyone has a Jagannath picture on back. Those willing to hear the message of this scripture in a submissive attitude of service can at once capture the Supreme Lord in their hearts. Therefore, there is no need for any scripture other than Srimad Bhagavatam. Yay! Purport. This verse appears in Srimad Bhagavatam 1.1.2. The words Mahamuni Krite indicate that Srimad Bhagavatam was compiled by the great sage Vyasadeva, who is sometimes known as Narayana Mahamuni because he is an incarnation of Narayan. Vyasadeva, therefore, is not an ordinary man, but is empowered by the Supreme Personality of Godhead. He compiled the beautiful Bhagavatam to narrate some of the pastimes of the Supreme Personality of Godhead and his devotees. In Srimad Bhagavatam, a distinction between real religion and pretentious religion has been clearly made. According to this original and genuine commentation on the Vedanta Sutra, there are numerous pretentious faiths that, faiths that pass as religion, <clears throat> but neglect the real essence of religion. The real religion of a living being is his natural inborn quality, whereas pretentious religion is a form of nescience that artificially covers a living entity's pure consciousness under certain unfavorable conditions. Real religion lies dormant, when artificial religion dominates from the mental plane, a living being can awaken this dormant religion by hearing with a pure heart. The path of religion prescribed by Srimad Bhagavatam is different from all forms of imperfect religiosity. Religion can be considered in the following three divisions. One, the path of fruit of work. Two, the path of knowledge and mystic powers. And three, the path of worship and devotional service. The path of fruit of work, karmakanda, even when de uh, decorated with religious ceremonies meant to elevate one's material condition is a cheating process because it can never enable one to gain relief from material existence and achieve the highest goal. A living entity perpetually struggles hard to rid himself of the pangs of material existence, but the path of fruit of work leads him to either temporary happiness or temporary distress in material existence. 
By pious, fruitive work, one is placed in a position where he can temporarily feel material happiness, whereas vicious activities lead him to a distressful position of material want and scarcity. However, even if one is put into the most perfect situation of material happiness, he cannot in that way become free from the pangs of birth, death, old age, and disease. A materially happy person is therefore in need of the eternal relief that mundane religiosity in terms of fruit of work can never award. The paths of the culture of knowledge, jnana marg, and of mystic powers, yoga marg, are equally hazardous, for one does not know where one will go by following these uncertain methods. An empiric philosopher in search of spiritual knowledge may endeavor most laboriously for many, many births in mental speculation, but unless and until he reaches the stage of the purest quality of goodness, in other words, until he transcends the plane of material speculation, it is not possible for him to know that everything emanates from the personality of God in Vasudev. His attachment to the impersonal feature of the Supreme Lord makes him unfit to rise to that transcendental stage of Vasudev understanding, and therefore, because of his unclean state of mind, he glides down again into material existence, even after having ascended to the highest stage of liberation. This fall down takes place due to his want of a locus standi in the service of the Supreme Lord. As far as the mystic powers of the yogi are concerned, there are also material entanglements on the path of spiritual realization. One German scholar who became a devotee of Godhead in India said that material science had already made laudable progress in duplicating the mystic powers of the yogis. He therefore came to India not to learn the methods of the yogis' mystic powers, but to learn the path of transcendental loving service to the Supreme Lord, as mentioned in the great scripture, Srimad Bhagavatam. Mystic powers can make a yogi materially powerful and thus give temporary relief from the miseries of birth, death, old age, and disease, as other material sciences can do. But such mystic powers can never be a permanent source of relief from these miseries. Therefore, according to the Bhagavat school, this path of religiosity is also a method of cheating its followers. In the Bhagavad Gita, it is clearly defined that the most elevated and powerful mystic yogi is one who can constantly think of the Supreme Lord within his heart and engage in the loving service of the Lord. The path of worship of the innumerable devas or administrative demigods is still more hazardous and uncertain than the above mentioned processes of Karmakanda and Jnanakanda. This system of worshiping many gods such as Durga, Shiva, Ganesh, Surya and the impersonal Vishnu form is accepted by persons who have been blinded by an intense desire for sense gratification. When properly executed in terms of the rites mentioned in the Shastras, which are now very difficult to perform in this age of want and scarcity, such worship can certainly fulfill one's desires for sense gratification, but the success obtained by such methods is certainly transient, and it is suitable only for a less intelligent person. That is the verdict of the Bhagavad Gita, no sane man should be satisfied by such temporary benefits. None of the above-mentioned three religious paths can deliver a person from the threefold miseries of material existence, namely miseries caused by the body and mind, miseries caused by their living entities, 
and miseries caused by the demigods. The process of religion described in, Bhag in Srimad Bhagavatam, however, is able to give its followers permanent relief from the threefold miseries. The Bhagavatam describes the highest religious form, reinstatement of the living entity in his original position of transcendental loving service to the Supreme Lord, which is free from the infections of desires for sense gratification, fruit of work, and the culture of knowledge with the aim of merging into the Absolute to become one with the Supreme Lord. Any process of religiosity based on sense gratification, gross or subtle, must be considered a pretentious religion because it is unable to give perpetual protection to its followers. The word projita is significant. Pra means complete, and ujita indicates rejection. Religiosity in the shape of fruit of work is directly a method of gross sense gratification, whereas the process of culturing spiritual knowledge with a view to becoming one with the Absolute is a method of subtle sense gratification. All such pretentious religiosity based on gross or subtle sense gratification is completely rejected in the process of, of Bhagavata Dharma or the transcendental religion that is the eternal function of the living being. Bhagavata Dharma, or the religious principle described in Srimad Bhagavatam, of which the Bhagavad Gita is a preliminary study, is meant for liberated persons of the highest order who attribute very little value to, this, to the sense gratification of pretentious religiosity. The first and foremost concern of fruit of workers, elevationists, Empiric philosophers and salvationists is to rise, is to raise their material position. But devotees of Godhead have no such selfish desires. They serve the Supreme Lord only for his satisfaction. Sri Arjuna, wanting to satisfy his senses by becoming a so-called nonviolent and pious man, at first decided not to fight. But when he was fully situated in the principles of Bhagavata Dharma, culminating in complete surrender unto the will of the Supreme Lord, he changed his decision and agreed to fight for the satisfaction of the Lord. He then said, Nashto mohas mitir labda tvaprasada mayachuta stito smigata sandeha karishi vachanam tava. So just um, very um, telling this uh, point that um, Prabhupada makes here that Sri Arjuna wanting to satisfy his senses by becoming a so-called non-violent and pious man at first decided not to fight. So uh, when I was uh, writing my book, Our Family Business, I interviewed a lot of um, devotees who had received books and uh, had been transformed by receiving them. And one of them uh, was a, a bhakta at the time, and he told me that he um, had uh, at first received the Bhagavad Gita, and it was at a time in his life when he was not that interested. He 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 was still pursuing um, other worldly ideas, and he left it at his father's house on the shelf. But after feeling some discomfort from the material world, he came back to his father's house and lo and behold, his father had been reading it and suggested, well, why don't you look at this? Because you've um, been trying in the, in the world and you're not so happy. So why don't you take a look at it? So he 
took the book, did this uh, young man, and he started looking through it. And he, he started in the beginning where Arjuna was making his arguments about how um, the war was going to destroy the society and it was immoral, unethical, all kinds of points he was making uh, on the platform of um, moralistic judgment or ethical judgment. And uh, this Bhaktas told me that he was thinking, oh yeah, and then the instruction's gonna come in to just uh, forgive and forget and, and be nonviolent and move on. And he said he was shocked when Krishna said, no, you have to fight anyway. <laughs> you have to go and do this fight. He said, that's when I knew this was for me <laughs> because this was not ordinary. He could understand that this is not just the, the normal uh, flow of material thought uh, because that is to adjust to the various um, material ideas, even if they're ideas that have to do with compassion and so forth. The, the, the ultimate compassion is uh, to liberate people from the bodily concept of life. And uh, that uh, eternal process has to do with surrendering to the Supreme Personality of God and his, and his instructions. Um, that's a, a shocking revelation to most people because it's um, uh, common that people who are affected by the lower modes of nature conceive of uh, religion as something that has to do with adjusting the, um, the material world in, in certain ways. They don't think of it as cutting the knot of the material world and actually surrendering to the Supreme Personality of Godhead and thinking in a categorically different way, which is the way that the Bhagavatam thinks, which is uh, cheating has to do with uh, adjusting the material world. And a real religion has to do with adjusting ourselves to the will of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. When you do that, then you can actually be uh, satisfied because that's our nature to be eternally connected to the Lord in service. And when we become detached from that, and we make all kinds of other adjustments, we still feel uncomfortable no matter what we do. So we'll just continue in the purport a little more. So Arjuna then says he changed his mind. He changed his decision. That's a, a happy day for the soul. When um, the soul gets uh, outside influence from a devotee and the devotee says, wake up here, read this, hear this. Uh, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu said, Maya Mukta Jivaranahi Swata Krishna Gyan. It's not automatic that people wake up. They have to get influence from the outside. Jivara Krishna Koila Krishna Veda Puran. That's why the uh, Supreme Personality of Godhead, the Shakti Avatar, actually, Vyasadeva, made the Vedas and that was to intervene in the in the lifestyle of people in the material world so that they would wake up and take to Krishna consciousness because otherwise it's not automatic, it's not swata. So when a, a living entity hears this transcendental information from the Bhagavad Gita, from the Srimad Bhagavatam, and then changes his or her decision, that means that um, they're thinking, uh, I have to adjust the material world in such a way that I can have more happiness, but then they change their decision and say, forget that. I'm just going to follow the Supreme Personality of God and I'm going to surrender to him. That's a happy day. 
And uh, I can remember myself in the process of uh, getting interested in spiritual life and searching for the right path. I read many different books that I could find on um, spirituality. I, I devoured them practically. And then when I got the Bhagavad Gita and uh, specifically Prabhupada's purports, the Sri Upanishad and so forth, you know, he said, um, and it was the Sarvadharma Prityaja. That was in the Back to Godhead magazine that I got, that whole purport. Just, just forget everything else and surrender to Krishna. I can remember um, reading that and changing my decision that forget all this other stuff. And also there was still, I was a teenager, so there was a sense that, well, the whole world's out there. You know, I could go that way. I mean, I remember seeing that in my mind's eye that you're making a decision here. And Super Soul was, you know, waiting. So what are you going to do, little buddy? And, you know, and Prabhupada's um, case was so compelling and the pictures were so brilliant and the, the idea of spiritual life was so um, nicely presented. One of the points, I mean, there were several points, but one of them was about chanting, dancing and feasting. And I was thinking, wow, that's really attractive. Uh, I'd never heard of anything like that before. I thought spiritual life meant negation in some way and merging and so forth. But one way or another, I can remember consciously making the decision that, yeah, I'm going to go this direction. And that decision is what changes everything. We have volition. We're not dead stones. We're agents of change. So the way that we organize our lives around hearing and chanting so that we be, can constantly be aware of the fact that we have the decision to surrender to Krishna in every moment uh, that um, and we make it that's what gives us traction in spiritual life it's that impetus to surrender to Krishna hear the message of the Bhagavatam the Bhagavad Gita the guru and submit oneself and then I'm going to follow this path because there's a lot of decisions to make and if you keep making them trimming your decisions so that they're they fit into the the plan of the guru parampara and of krishna that's when you get caught in the jet stream and you get pulled right back to godhead because of that decision our decision is so powerful you're uh, we are creators therefore in the bhagavad-gita krishna says yanti deva vrta devan pitrin yanti pratirvata bhutani yanti bhuteja yanti mam yajino pimam little jiva you can go wherever you want you're powerful you can fly off to other planets you could stay here and you know be a little rickshaw walla you can do whatever you want to do but he said think bigger than that you know i'm here i'm 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 the best thing everything comes from me and i'm your friend and i own everything don't you want to be my friend you know just uh come to me and think of me and it's a simple process to do that through bhakti. It's the simplest process. In fact, as I've noted before in reading the 11th canto, when Krishna is speaking to Uddhava and he talks about the path of Gyan, the section is that thick. It's huge. And he talks about yoga. Huge. When he comes to bhakti, I was surprised. It's a tiny little section <laughs> on bhakti yoga. He just said, be submissive and be really humble and see that the Supreme Lord is in everyone's heart. It's a simple thing. Make the decision that I'm going to be a devotee. That's such a good decision. Manmana bhavamad bhakto 
Madhyaji mam namaskuru, mami vaishasiyutvayam, atmanam parayana. You know, when we bow down to Krishna, it's a simple thing, but it makes all the difference in the world. And if anybody sees somebody bowing down uh, or bowing to Krishna at all, then they become inspired too. Last night, Nirakula and I were taking our walk and through the neighborhood, and there was some man, uh, we didn't disturb his whatever he was doing, but we saw him from across the street, standing outside his house. He was facing east, so I figured he must have been some kind of Hindu or Vaishnava, but he, you know, he was in pranams like this. And maybe he was saying Gayatri Mantra or something like that. But just seeing him like that, offering respects, uh, you know, inspired us. We felt like, wow, that was inspiring just to see that. So bhakti is based on the decision. And when you enact it by bowing down to Krishna, you just put your head on the ground. It feels so good. Like, like I give up all this elevationist stuff that takes so much work, all this mystic yoga. Boy, is that hard. If you read the Yoga Sutras, you see how hard it is to come into contact with Prakriti and merge into it so that you get these mystic powers. It's very difficult. It's definitely difficult in the corporate world. Everyone always complains. I work harder and they keep giving me more work and then they, you know, cut back on the pay and there's more taxes. That's hard work. Uh, rickshaw driving, that's hard work. So, you know, what's the easy part? Surrender to Krishna. Yeah, I give up. <laughs> I surrender to Krishna. Uh, that means internally we make the decision and then no matter what other kind of um, work we have to do in this world, we do have to, to work to maintain some status quo. Everybody does, Krishna says in the Gita, everybody has to work just to maintain their body. But once you make the decision, then you know that that part of it is only just playing itself out. It's only superfluous. The main thing is that I've made the decision. I'm going to surrender to Krishna and there's no more cheating. Cheating is what gives us so much uh, trouble. The cheating starts with I am my body and I'm going to present myself as a perfect being. And that's really hard to maintain because it's hard not to make mistakes and the body's always falling apart and I'm always trying to hold it back together again saying, no, I'm okay. Prophet mentions this, that he visited a friend in the hospital, has tubes coming out of every orifice and said, how are you doing? He said, I'm fine. He said, this fine of the material world means that everyone's pretending to be fine, but <laughs> there is no fine here. But don't worry about it. Krishna is there for us. And if we take this simple path of surrender, then we're relieved of so much suffering immediately. And then uh, we have the happy occupation of just surrendering and serving, surrendering to and serving Krishna. Okay, let's finish the purport if we haven't. So Arjuna says, Nashto moha smritir labda tot prasadam yachita stito sito smi gatasandeha karishe vachanam tava. My dear Krishna, O infallible one, my illusion is now gone. I have regained my memory by your mercy. I am now firm and free from doubt and am prepared to act according to your instructions. That's from Bhagavad Gita 1873. It is the constitutional position of the living entity to be situated in this pure consciousness. Any so-called religious process that interferes 
with his unadulterated spiritual position of the living being must therefore be considered a pretentious process of religiosity. The real form of religion is spontaneous loving service to Godhead. This relationship of the living being with the absolute personality of Godhead in service is eternal. The personality of Godhead is described as vastu, or the substance, and the living entities are described as vastavas, or the innumerable samples of the substance in relative existence. The relationship of these substantive Portions with the supreme substance can never be annihilated, for it is an eternal, eternal quality inherent in the living being. By contact with material nature, the living entities exhibit varied symptoms of the disease of material consciousness. To cure this material disease is the subject, is the supreme object of human life. This, the process that treats this disease is called Bhagavata Dharma or Sanatana Dharma, real religion. This is described in the pages of Srimad Bhagavatam. Therefore, anyone who, because of his background of pious activities in previous lives, is anxious to hear Srimad Bhagavatam immediately realizes the presence of the Supreme Lord within his heart and fulfills the mission of life, of his life. And now we'll take some uh, uh, questions to uh, expand the topic and uh, hopefully go more deeply within it because there are many, many ears out there and you've heard different things. And when you can ask a question, a question is like a can opener. It just opens a new can so we can uh, look inside and find the contents. The lines are open also on Facebook. And we have the chat box, which I'm going to check right now. Okay. Here we have um, Radhavenka Prabhu who said, It is fascinating how authors such as Rupa Goswami and Krishna Das Kaviraj are quoting so many verses from so many scriptures. They were also constantly moving. They did not have Google and PDFs either. That's true. And it's interesting how... Um, well, first of all, it's an important point. Shruti Smriti Paranadi Panchakshiki Vinimbida Aikantiki Harer Bhakti Rupata Yaiva Kalpate. That uh, any kind of practice of devotional service that doesn't follow the mood of the Shruti, the Smriti, the Panchakshiki Viti, etc., becomes a disturbance to society. So we've been trained very carefully in our, in our Parampara to refer to scripture. So when you say something, you should back it up. That's why we learn all these verses and where they are, because you look like a fool if you go out and just make all kinds of spiritual proclamations, but you're not able to back it up. So learn all these things, memorize the verses, know where they are, and be able to present them at the opportune time. And even if you can't memorize the whole thing, at least have an orientation to where they're coming from. So you can point to it. That's okay, too. But that's that's vital uh, for uh, those who are teaching the Krishna consciousness philosophy to people. Um, and nana shastra vichara naika nipunosha dharma samstapako lokanamitakarano tribuvane manyo sharanyakaro. 
the way that the Goswamis worked was to develop a cohesive understanding of philosophy by presenting the various scriptures in such a way that people would have a systematic process to follow in order to go back home, back to Godhead. And this is the duty of Acharyas, is to present this so people have a boat to get on, they can follow, and that boat is the process that they present. So, for instance, we have the Upadeshaharita. If anybody follows that, they'll be able to f cross over the ocean of material existence. And this is uh, called Mahatkritena. It's the great path. And if you just approach that path, because the Acharyas are so powerful, because they're authorized by the Supreme Personality of Godhead, then Krishna uh, shrinks the ocean of material suffering down to the size within the hoofprint of a calf so you can step over it. That's how powerful the intentionality is of following the process given by the previous acharyas. And all that has to do with uh, following scripture. Sri Madhava Mahotsava says, in your story, it seems like Krishna was using the boy's father as an instrument to help him to Krishna consciousness. Which story was that? I forget. Hare Krishna Gurudev's story where he had the Bhagavad Gita with his father and he came home to visit. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And right. his father said, Buddy. Yeah, Krishna, I mean, he fulfills multiple purposes with any one activity or Leela. Uh, and so, yeah, a lot of people, the books go out and they ricochet off of so many people and they uh, cause a, a merciful. Um, ring of circumstances like a uh, concentric circles that come out from one point that you throw a pebble into a pond from yes definitely nice point and we have aprame said i was really hooked to the point of kaitavo from text 90 and how as long as we are not associated to krishna even if we are doing good fr a fruit of work uh, cheating uh, fruit of work slash cheating. We are perpetually undergoing a cycle of birth, death, old age, and disease. Combined with suffering in the hellish planets, feasting and enjoying our karma away in the heavenly planets, and finally liberation. Truly, from the perspective of the Shastras, we are like the cow going round and round tied to the Chucky. In our a case, the planetary system of the material world grinding away at the seeds to uh, gain oil our Krishna consciousness uh, Bhakti Lata Bij is sadly only going further into the lap of Maya I feel like in Kali Yuga I only have the option to perform Yukta Vairagya surrendering to the results of our surrendering the results of our actions to Krishna while focusing on how to best associate ourselves to him even while involved in economic development and fruit of work Aprame, you wrote all that? I mean, come on, that was brilliant. Sheesh. I'm, I'm impressed. That was very nice, almost poetical, what you wrote there. But uh, it, had, it was uh, dense with really good points. Sudhir Madhava says, Hare Krishna. All glories to Prabhupada. Uh, Chitrale Katsaki said, thank you so much for this lecture. It's fantastic, absolutely inspiring. Cheating has to do with adjusting the material world. Yeah, 
this idea that uh, by uh, adjusting the material world, uh, it still has to do with this idea of lording it over, that I'm going to be the controller. And the idea that the Vaishnavas have is tate anukampam susumikshamanu bunjane evatma kritam vipakam vridvagvapur vir vidadam namaste jiveta yomuti pade sadaya bhak. That whatever entanglement I've already gotten myself into in the material world, let that be. It's going to burn itself out. I'm not going to attach myself psychically, emotionally to the actions and reactions in the material world by becoming a victim. And by um, part of victimology is that I uh, ascribe the, the cause to some other entity rather than myself. I'll just bring it back and say it is what it is. And it's going on because somehow or other I've engaged myself in this material world. And now I'm getting the reaction and it's my own reaction. I, I made this bed, now I have to lie in it. This is the idea. Now this is my thing. But what will I do? I will worship the words of the Srimad Bhagavatam with, with my body, mind, words. I'll uh, offer praise to it. I'll hear it. I'll bow my head before it and so forth. And meanwhile, as I'm going through this life and the various reactions are coming, uh, which you can't adjust your way out of in case you haven't noticed, there, there's uh, a way that I, I am going to um, simply accept it as the Lord's mercy. And from this attitude of being, it's the opposite attitude of the victim. One uh, inherits the kingdom of God. It's just handed over to you naturally. You become the good son of the Lord. So it's very, very important not to get in, put oneself in the false position, the false predicament that somebody's doing this to me. I'm being, I am um, being uh, oppressed by God or by others. Uh, and if one can get out of this mentality and put oneself in the hands of the Supreme Lord and say, whatever, however you want to adjust it, that's okay with me. Okay. If on the Zoom room you want to jump in at any time, feel free. But I got to read Vaikuntha Nayakaprabhu's thing because he's calling in from Mysore, um, the home of a Mysore pack. Dandavats, you mentioned the importance of Shruti Smritis. However, in our Vaishnava tradition, we do have the example of Babaji's. Vansi Das Babaji, for example, they are considered topmost Vaishnavas. But my understanding is that they were above the Shruti Smriti Panchrachiki Vidhi. Uh, so how do we understand this apparent departure from Shruti Smriti being a prerequisite for devotional service? Well, notice what they do. So in the uh, for instance, in the Bhagavatam, we have Ahobata Shva Pachato Garyanya Jiva Grevartate Namatu Byam Te Pusta Paste Juhuvusasna Arya Brahmanachur Nama Granantiete. Devahuti exclaims, and this is a verse quoted by all our acharyas, that those who are chanting Hare Krishna, they've understood everything. They've already gone through all of it. And uh, what does Rupa Goswami say? Nikila Shruti Mali Ratnamala Duti Nirajita Pada Pankajanta. He says that if you, if you know all the Vedas, if you know what you're looking for, and you're like a, a miner, like they mine for gold, what comes out of it, out of all the study of all the Vedas, actually, is the worship of the Lord in the form of the holy name. 
So if one has come to this point that there's only focus on chanting Hare Krishna, uh, the, this person has already understood all the Vedas and come to this point. They are exhibiting what the Vedas say to do. In fact, even in the Kali Santaran Upanishad, it says Sarva Vedishu Drishyate, and it mentions the mantra Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare, Iti Sodashakam Nam Nam, Kali Kalashanashanam. So it says Sarva Vedishu Drishyate, if you know what you're supposed to be looking for in all the Vedas, you're going to find that the Hare Krishna mantra is the culmination of all Vedic instruction. It's that worship and surrender to the Lord through his name. There are many different kinds of mantras. Some of them have bijas and uh, they have um, various uh, packaging uh, in order to chant the mantra. But the holy name is uh, the active ingredient in all the mantras. Even in the Gayatri mantras, you'll find that, that there is a bij mantra. There are other kinds of verbiage within the mantra, but the main point is the name of, of the Lord. So in the Hare Krishna mantra, you have all name. There's no covering. It's like a fruit, perfectly ripe. There's no seed inside and there's no, there's no covering. You just eat the fruit. And so those have understood that and they're chanting Hare Krishna as uh, genuine Babaji's with no other, no other focus. They've already, uh, they are enacting the very purpose of the Vedas. Sarva Vedeshu. In all the Vedas, this is what you're supposed to see. Okay, and then we have Danavari. Um, I like the point that we read and tried to memorize some shlokas to give references or pranam to back up what, a praman to back up what we preach to do on book distribution. Yes, please do that. Now, you may not have to present praman when you're on book distribution because as Sri, Sri Madhava Mahotsava Prabhu will tell us when he's at Venice Beach meeting people in swimming trunks, they don't even know what the Bhagavatam is or the Srimad Bhagavad Gita. You may not have to back up certain things. You, you may just have to speak in a, in a way that is uh, the words of the Bhagavatam, but translated so they can understand it. But when you start getting into spiritual circles where people are educated in the process of devotional service and how to speak, you have to be able to back up what you're saying, you have to give evidence. So get a degree in um, in Srimad Bhagavatam and Bhagavad Gita and Sri Upanishad and be able to quote from it. Right? Say yes. Thank you. It's important. Uh, Shraddha Devi Dasi said, thanks for yet another great class. Thank you for being here. I liked the take on cheating. Cheating starts with us thinking I am. Cheating starts with us thinking I'm not this body. So even before we cheat anyone, usually for material gain, we cheat ourselves. Did you mean that I am this body? Cheating starts with us thinking I am this body. Yeah. Yeah, that's a big uh, that's a big scam that uh, I'm a cat, I'm a dog, I'm a man, I'm a woman, you know, and then we do this whole show and uh, try to make it, we try to sell it, you know, this is who I am. But it's a really false uh, dance. So it's, it's really hard to sell what we're not. And that's why there's so much angst in material life is because I'm trying to present 
myself as something I'm not. And uh, when I decide that I'm a devotee, then um, that surrender and that presentation is sustainable. And Sudhir Madhav, yes. Hare Krishna, I was just wondering when you were a teenager and you were reading all the books and then you finally read the Back to Godhead, I don't know if you were raised in a certain religion or anything, but what was like the psychology of your transformation from maybe, were the other books personal? You went from like, I guess I was just assuming a lot of the yogi books are impersonal. And then you went from that to surrendering to a person like so quickly. Was it hard to adjust in your mind or was there something that clicked that just convinced you for good? I mean, like one time, Hridayan uh, Maharaj was calling it psychological atheism. And I realized that for so many years, I was a psychological atheist, even though theoretically I accepted Krishna and intellectually it made sense. Oh, well, thanks for asking. The background I came from was my parents uh, were, um, had both been members of some church when they were growing up. But uh, later on, they um, moved away from it. So by the time I was born, uh, I was the youngest in the family of four. There was no, uh, there was no church and there was no presentation, no, no spiritual guideline as far as like you should follow this or that. I think my father came from a, a Catholic background and my mother was maybe Episcopalian or something like that. Uh, both some kind of Christian tradition, but there was no, there was not uh, a trace of it in our home when I grew up at all. Uh, the only thing that was there, which was more like paganism, which is uh, the Christmas celebration. But uh, my parents were, um, they were professors. My mother taught sociology and my father taught psychology. And they really did not, um, they, you know, my mother used to look at religion as, a, you know, from a sociological point of view. Even when I became a devotee, the topic, the conversations we have, she was very interested in the Krishna consciousness movement and how it coalesced and how people interacted with one another. And my father looked at things from a psychological point of view. So I didn't get any of that. In fact, I, I actually had felt like I had a major advantage over my friends when I, when, when I was growing up because they all had to uh, go to uh, school, Sunday school. <laughs> And I didn't. So I thought, well, how did I get so lucky? Um, but then uh, later on, somehow or other, it, it hit me uh, that uh, there's more to life than just this. And it, it, it was from some existential angst I had about the idea of dying when I was a kid. And then it, it started to manifest in, in big gaps. I started seeing the way people accepted things and they didn't question them really made me... Um, pause and think. For instance, uh, vegetarianism. I, I, uh, around when I was 13, I started questioning this whole idea. You know, I saw signs about uh, people uh, killing animals and eating them. And I said, you know, this is crazy. And uh, I came home. Anyway, it's a long story about the vegetarianism thing, but there were several things that happened to me that really made me think that this has got to be some kind of scam. And when I asked um, 
my parents about it, they gave the party line that, you know, certain animals are for this and certain animals and it's, they didn't really get into it very much, but I figured it out. And I said, no moss, I don't involve me in this thing anymore, which put me a little bit at odds with my family to start with because vegetarianism was not very popular back then. And then uh, I, I started thinking more spiritually and then I got a, my, my brother had a book in his um, library in his room, in my house, it was uh, called Be Here Now by Baba Ram Dass, Richard Alpert. In fact, my father knew him and uh, also the, his associate, Timothy Leary, because my father was a psychologist and so were they and he had done work with them when they were um, working at Harvard. And so there were these um, connections and so I read it and and the book really opened my eyes to the fact that there was some, there was spirituality in the world and then i started doing my own research and going to the library i used to go to the lafayette library where skp so kindly or somebody put a full set of bogotoms a few years ago and uh, i used to check out all the books i could find that were about spiritual practice and especially well anything and I, the more and more i read the more um, I became curious about why would I be praying to, to myself? That was the main thought I had because there were all these prayers, but then the books would end up by saying, actually, you are God, you become God. And it didn't make sense to me. So when I, when I read Prabhupada's Back to Godhead magazine, and it was so directly about surrender to a person, it seemed so logical and so natural that I got really excited about it. And I, I, that was my first reaction. It's like, finally, somebody came out and said this. And it, to me, it was the unmitigated un, uh, truth uh, coming through. That's how, what I felt when I read the Back to Godhead magazine. All other things had some kind of um, obscuring factor that I couldn't get around. But when I read Prophet's articles and, and the devotees of Prophet's articles in the Back to Godhead magazine, it was just pure light and knowledge. So that's when I just, I really dedicated myself to reading Prabhupada's books. My mother took me down to Berkeley, California, which is uh, not too far from my hometown in, San, in Lafayette. And we, we went to Shambhala Books. And I went in there with my allowance money and I said, whatever books you have by Bhaktivedanta Swami. And they had Bhagavad Gita as it is, Shriya Shapanishad and On the Way to Krishna. So those are the three books I got and I brought them home and it just, that was my mainstay is just reading those books over and over again. Anyway, that's um, my background as far as uh, there was a, as far as religion or spirituality goes, there was a completely clean slate. So that was um, the atmosphere. And then my feeling was a relief when I saw that there was a personal relationship with God, it seemed to be, um, it seemed to be a perfect fit to me when I heard about it. And actually the first place I heard about it that really registered strongly was in the Back to Godhead magazine. There was an uh, advertisement for the Shri Shapanishad and it had a picture of Lord Vishnu uh, in the Kajal Ocean. And it says that this ancient book says that actually God is a person. And I just kept looking at it going like, you can actually say that? Because <laughs> it seemed like everyone was trying to avoid that point and say, no, nah, it couldn't be that because 
they they just uh, wouldn't be able to come to that conclusion by negating material existence and negating material form. You have to hear from parampara, from pure devotees, to hear what that, what uh, how that's justified. And when I saw that the advertisement, that's what really made my mind go for it. In a in a um, thank you lacrimous way. Thank you for asking, Hari Krishna. Okay, let's see if there's anything else. Hare Krishna, Guru Hare Krishna. Um, I have a question. So in regards to the story you told from your book about the Bhakta who was inspired by um, the Bhagavad Gita because Krishna says to Arjuna to fight. So the way I understand it is Krishna told Arjuna to fight because it was his duty to fight as a Kshatriya. But what's the message that we get from this example? Because we aren't, I mean, I'm not a Kshatriya and I'm a Shudra. So how much should we fight in our day-to-day -day lives if there's injustice being performed? How much should we tolerate and how much should we take the message of the Bhagavad Gita and perform our duty to fight? Sure. Well, that the, on one level, the surrender was to do your duty as a Kshatriya. So that was within the Varnashrama. But there's a, an overarching a purpose that Krishna has in instructing Arjuna in the Bhagavad Gita, which is that Krishna wanted Yudhishthira installed on the throne because his purpose in coming to the material world is to establish the Sanatana Dharma and to uh, elevate his devotees so that people of the world are not misled. And Yudhishthira's a pure devotee is also a Kshatriya, so he wanted that um, Yudhishthira prevail in the war. So, Paritranaya sadhunam vinashaya chaduskritam dharma samstapanartaya sampavam yuge yuge. The reason he comes is to lift up the devotees, establish them so that they can help everybody else be engaged in devotional service ultimately. And so, that's the other overarching purpose. And when he's convincing Arjuna to fight, he's doing it because uh, Krishna, that's what Krishna wants, ultimately. And as far as our duties go, we should also have in mind that, that the ultimate purpose is uh, that we're aligned with Krishna and his uh, instructions, Sarvadhanaman Paritya Mame Kam Sharanambraja. So in the course of uh, following whatever um, duties we have, and by that I mean somehow or other we have to uh, we have to live whatever situation we're in, right? You have to live. So now, how to do that and stay connected to Krishna at the same time? And so ways of, of doing that have to do with uh, giving away the fruits of your results to Krishna. And then he recommends practicing devotional service so that you can come to the point of spontaneous devotional service. So while we're still working in the world and obligated in certain ways, we should be inventive to find ways in which we can stay alive and at the same time stay connected to um, Krishna through giving away the fruit of our work, also cultivating Krishna consciousness through the practice of devotional service as recommended in Upadesha Amrita and elsewhere. And if you do that simultaneously, then naturally as you go through your life and you somehow stay alive, both 
balancing your work and uh, and around the idea that you're a devotee and performing devotional service, you're doing your sadhana and so forth, then um, you'll be able to make a success of your life because you'll remember Krishna even as you're working. And that's why when Arjuna uh, was listening to Krishna or when Krishna was instructing Arjuna, he said, Tasmat sarveshu kaleshu mamanu smarayudyacha mayarpita mano burir mami vaishyasya samshayaha. That he said, you, you have to, you know, you have to fight but therefore, while you're fighting, he said, you should still remember me. And these are the three main ways that Krishna says to remember him. And that is that uh, either you're spontaneously in love with him. And if that's not there, you should practice developing that spontaneous love. And if that's not there, do your work, but offer the, the result of the work to Krishna. And that will bring you to that stage gradually, step by step. Did that help? Yeah, that helps a lot. Thank you. Okay, good. Yeah, I think you're doing it right. I think you're doing it right. Okay. Um, let's see. Any other points? Oh, look, Bumi's here. Bumi Devi Dasi said, someone said to me that they feel resentful, that they are suffering so much for stuff they did in their previous lives and they can't and will never be able to remember. Sorry, but I was at a loss of what to, uh, what to say to that. Oh, yeah, that's a very important point, uh, Bumi. And that is that um, it it appears that um, I'm a victim. All these things are happening to me. I don't remember what I did. I um, I had a stark um, realization of this when I applied for my uh, global entry about five years, six years ago. And we were at Niagara Falls, which is on the border of U.S. and Canada. And uh, of course, the Americans were really gruff and uh, terrible people at the border and the Canadians were really nice. That's a, uh, an aside. But um, we had to go through all kinds of testing and background checks and everything like that. And I was almost ready to get my um, global entry. And then they called me into the back room and they said, um, Mr. Suchek, have you ever been arrested? And the only answer I could come up with was probably because <laughs> I've arrested him many times. Um, and then uh, for Sankirtan, that is. And uh, then they said, you have to be more specific. And Super Soul reminded me at that very second uh, of that uh, arrest that happened in 1975 in the Chicago airport when I first got there. And there was a, a fracas. And uh, I won't go into the details, but I wasn't at fault. But somehow or other, I got arrested anyway. And the, the case, although it, uh, it came out of my side in the court, it, it was never signed off on somewhere. There was a clerical error. So they told me I had to go back to the Chicago Police Department and uh, take care of it. And I was surprised that they still had the paperwork from 1975. And, I, and all I had to do was sign a few things and they had to update it and then I got my global entry. However, I was thinking uh, of a, it, 1975 was like a past life. I had totally forgotten about that incident to that very second when that border agent said, you know, have you ever been arrested? And then I thought, I said, probably. <laughs> it all came rushing back. And then that specific incident came into my mind that, yes, uh, that was the one they're probably thinking about because there was some complication around it. And so, you know, we've done so many things and, and we don't have a full remembrance of them by Krishna's mercy. 
As Krishna says in the Bhagavad Gita, Sarvasya Chaham Hridisani Vishto Mataksmitir Gana Apoanam Cha. He allows us to uh, have selective memory because if we didn't, we wouldn't be able to be uh, functional in this life. Because if you remembered all your, even not just your past lives, what even, even this life of everything you've been through. I mean, how many accidents have you been in? How many uh, altercations have you been in and so forth? If you're remembering them all at once, it would be a, a lot of noise coming at you. You'd be uh, psychotic. So Krishna allows us to be sane by letting us uh, think about the moment right now and be in this world without being disturbed by so much memory. What to speak of previous lives, what to speak of millions of previous lives of memories. However, the important point here is, and what to present to people is that memory comes in different ways. It's not just a specific recollection of an incident that happened, like I had when I remembered that it was 1975, I was arrested in the Chicago airport and so forth. And uh, that, you know, Krishna allowed me to remember that because I needed it to get my uh, global entry. That's why he brought it back for me. However, memory comes also, there's seven kinds of memory that modern psychologists mention. And some of them have to do with, um, with emotion. There's an emotional state that is a, considered a kind of memory that when we get in certain circumstances, we react emotionally to it. And that is a kind of memory uh, because of all the things we've been through in our previous lives. And uh, one very specific um, aspect of this is a way in which people have phobias. Uh, phobias develop because of uh, ways in which we've We've had interactions with the world in certain ways, and therefore uh, we're afraid of certain things uh, almost irrationally or spontaneously, whereas other people aren't. These are actually a conglomerate of the different kinds of memories that we have from previous lives and so forth. So one can analyze one's own uh, state of mind. The most primary of all um, emotional impulses is that uh, that of being indifferent to God and that I don't want to surrender. And you can go in a, a quiet room and sit with yourself and ask yourself, uh, what's holding holding me up from surrendering to the Supreme Personality of God? And there's some causeless unwillingness. And this state of mind is um, what's actually preventing me from uh, moving forward in, in spiritual life. And so the answer is that memory comes in different ways. And one of them is an emotional uh, memory. When one comes to this point of feeling that enough is enough. I've been in the material world long enough and I've done it all. Even people sing it in songs. They may be subconsciously uh, presenting this, but they're saying that um, I've tried everything and it never worked and I'm you know, people sing the blues and they sing country western and all these things. You know, it's just a memory of how the material world doesn't work out for them. And when that becomes very uh, acute and one gets the association of devotees and hears something from Bhagavad Gita and from the devotees, then the emotional memory uh, can culminate in one saying, OK, I give up. I'm going to surrender to Krishna and take to this path. So 
and just finally, uh, it's not true that nobody can remember. There are people that remember past lives. Yogis can do it uh, when they become really clear. Uh, it's mentioned in the Yoga Sutras, in the third section of the Yoga Sutra, that those who are able to develop a sattva guna in their buddhi through the process of meditation, just as if you look at a clear pond, you can see all the pebbles at the bottom, each individual pebble. So in the same way, a yogi, through this uh, mystic vision, which is actually just clearing the mind, uh, is able to see every individual past life, just like an individual pebble on the uh, the bottom of a, of a, a clear pond. And uh, Krishna can also remind us uh, accordingly, to, according to what we need about uh, what our previous lives were. Just like Gajendra remembered um, his prayers from a previous life, that's what he needed. And Bharat remembered his previous mistake, that's just what he needed. So Krishna is very kind and he gives us what we want. And he'll allow us to remember uh, what we need to move forward in spiritual life. Hare Krishna. Well, we fell short, as usual, in answering all the questions, but we tried. There's a lot more in there, but um, we'll save them and we'll try to take it up again at another time. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. Natari Armarman, Natari Armarman, hey, Natari Armarman, Natari Armarman, Natari Armarman, Natari Armarman.